going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 167 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to recap our results from week four in the NFL on DraftKings, reflect on some key decision points from the slate, and of course, close out the show by taking a look at the most interesting stats and storylines from the week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, Our Discord channel is open, available, and free to join. The link to do so is in the description to the podcast. Joey, how you doing after a interesting week four? Yeah, I'm doing good. I booked a nice win on DraftKings yesterday. My cash game lineup ended with 154.18 points. That was good enough to win 91% of my cash games, 100% of double ups, and about like 84% of my head-to-head. So booked a nice win, and it's good to to get back in the column. Um, After a couple weeks of not grinding DFS right up until lock it, it was good to get back into the swing of things and book a nice W. Yeah, man. I'm glad I'm glad that hard work uh, paid off for you. <laughs> how, how was your week? Oh, buddy, let me tell you, my week was, uh, it was good. I felt like I was in a good spot. I felt like I was cashing. Like I made a a lot of decisions that I thought panned out or or should have panned out, I should say. And, you know, I'm looking at the cash line. It's at about 137 and double ups. And what did I get? 136.6. Just missed by less than half a point. And that is just the toughest of all scenes to be that close to the cash line. You know, one would be catch a couple extra rushing yards from one of my backs. And, and we're talking a, a multiple hundred dollars swing right there. And, <laughs> and it's just brutal to to be off that. Yeah. And the, the players in your lineup had ample opportunity to get that half point. So just, just a brutal run out for you. And you know, we'll, we'll probably touch on those guys here uh, shortly. Yeah, man. We can talk about some some of the decision points on the slate, like especially from a cash game perspective. We talked about it a lot on the Saturday night stream. Like a lot of the, the toughest decision points to make, I think we're really close. Like, you know, Adams versus Cup or Odell Beckham versus Robert Woods. Curtis Samuel versus Westbrook Keen. Like these were the decisions that you were going to be making. And a lot of them did not matter that much. Like Samuel and Westbrook Keen ended with the exact same fantasy points, you know, on the week. Adams beat Cup by by one point. So, you know, these decisions that we were like agonizing over were really non-factors in the week. The main decision point I think that really swung things for people was at the running back position in the mid 5Ks. Whether you ended up playing David Montgomery, which would have pretty much shipped you everything in cash versus playing Chuba or Trey Sermon who emerged uh, late on Sunday. Yeah, and we talked about it on our Thursday podcast, and then we talked about it on the Saturday night live stream that you were most likely going to play one of these running backs in the 5K range, right? Either Chuba or David Montgomery, and then we got the news that Eli Mitchell would be out, so Trey Sermon became in play at 5K even. And for me, I just felt like David Montgomery was the best play of the bunch just because I felt like his opportunity was more guaranteed. With Chuba, we were assuming a lot, and that kind of came into fruition he played what like 40 percent of snaps seeded some touches to Royce Freeman seeded some pass work to Rodney Smith 
and everybody was projecting for him to you know have that 90 percent cmc role and it just didn't happen um yeah so i thought david montgomery was better than him and then when trey sermon became available i considered him for a bit and then you mentioned that his range of outcomes was just too wide and that put me back on track to just go with david montgomery and his guaranteed uh workload so that's where I was at for this week. Yeah, man. Also, I think this Lions defense is approaching like the status of like the Texans last year or the Lions last year. Like this is a defense that we just have to hammer every position against <laughs> because they are just so, so bad. They were talent depleted from the beginning and they've lost two of their best defenders over the last two weeks to Achilles injuries. Like this is just a, a spot to attack for the rest of the season. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean very predictable right like the Lions defense has been bad all season and then also with the Bears and David Montgomery we kind of got news that a switch in play calling had been made prior to the game and you know we talked about it on the live stream but there was a pretty good sample size of games where the Bears had laser calling plays last year and the Bears offense was a little bit better and they trended to be more run heavy and we saw that come into fruition in this spot they ran the ball 39 times only threw the ball 17 times basically just trying to hide Justin Fields and David Montgomery ended with 23 touches for 106 yards and two touchdowns left the game with an injury Mm -hmm. but thank god he got there uh before that but i just felt like montgomery's opportunity was the most guaranteed out of every running back between five to six k and felt like he was just too underpriced in this matchup yeah i mean I, i thought about my process a lot uh looking back at this week and i feel like you know in a lot of the close calls i ran bad with results compared to process but this is one where you were right and i should have just focused more on the guaranteed workload you know versus the assumption that chuba was going to be 90 percent cmc like this was definitely a clear-cut decision point that i got wrong the rest of them though man i feel like i just ran bad like the cup adams thing was splitting hairs as it was but cup catching five of a season high 13 targets in a game where the rims were in comeback mode the entire time was a tough scene odell beckham like this dude missed at least two touchdowns to no fault of his own like mayfield missed him on a clear cut would be 60 yard touchdown you know robert woods enters the fourth quarter with one catch gets three more grabs and a touchdown in the final minute so the rams lose by 17 instead of 24 so shout out to him for that last touchdown and you know another thing is like punting at tight end just from like a roster construction standpoint we were on this build the entire week like it made a lot of sense to go down but we were just on the wrong place like i i guess everybody was because you know you were either playing ingram or will disley Mm -hmm. but you know what you needed to be doing was playing dawson knox or moelle cox or max williams and and you know we just obviously weren't going to find our way onto those guys i i I still think ingram was the play though because he was a little bit cheaper than like dawson knox who was 3600 ingram still had six targets at 3k i will take that every day of the week he ended with what 7.7 points that i thought that was fine people gravitated towards will disley i mean if you played will disley just reevaluate please but yeah i mean just in terms of the of the decision points i would agree that the process was correct the results just didn't work in your favor and you know all you needed was like anything else to happen right you needed just one catch from cub out of his eight missed targets. You needed Odell to just have Baker throw one good ball one time, and things look different this week. So just a brutal run out, and that's DFS, you know. Um, 
not everything's going to go your way a lot of the time, but as long as your process is right and you're on the right plays, you'll probably be a winner in the long run. So this is just one week and kind of been running a little bad to start the season, but it's a, it's a long season. So got got a lot of weeks to, to correct it. Yeah. And, and the last thing that I will bring up here in decision points is that I, w- I was very surprised by how large a portion of the field decided not to play DJ Moore. You know, Moore stood out to me as the clear cut best play from a points per dollar standpoint at the wide receiver position, really at any position on the entire slate. He was a top value at 6,600. He absolutely snapped, dropped about 35 points on DraftKings and only came in at like 30% in cash games. That was really surprising to me. I thought that he was going to be the most owned player across the board. I don't know why so many people found their way off of him. I guess it was a Trey Sermon thing. Like they they paid down at that RB2 spot to get up to the the Cup and Adams build. And I, I don't think that that was necessary whatsoever this week. Like DJ Moore was such a smash play. Yeah, I agree 100%. And he was popping into like every optimal that I that I ran and he was the best value on multiple sites projections and he only came in at 31%. He was the third highest owned wide receiver in cash games. Uh Devontae Adams was one. Westbrook Akeen was two. And you said it. I, I just don't really think you had to play both Adams and Cup with DJ Moore, with Odell, with Robert Woods, you know, all there in the mid-range of Mari Cooper, who we didn't mention too, ended up getting there mm-hmm. on like three targets. But yeah, I did I really didn't think you needed to play both. Obviously, Cup ran bad. Adams kind of ran bad as well with Randall Cobb getting like two touchdowns from the red zone. Fading DJ Moore, I mean, 6,600. I thought he was just a stone lock and he was severely underpriced for his role. And, you know, you're, you're paying up for Cup and Adams when, you know, games like these are in their range of outcomes, um, albeit they were great plays. I just felt like you only had to play one. Yeah, agreed. And and it seems that DraftKings has caught on to the DJ Moore usage. He's been bumped up 900 to 7500 next week against Philly. So price correction on, on the DraftKings side. Yeah, and it's and it's like going down from Cup to, to DJ Moore or Devontae Adams to DJ Moore, you, you're not even sacrificing that much in terms of opportunity. Like DJ Moore is up there this season with them in terms of, you know, market share of their of their team's targets. Like he he's above thirty yeah. percent, just like Cup is. You know, Cup had a thirty one percent target share in this spot. Adams still had eleven targets in this game for like a thirty three percent target share or whatever. And DJ Moore was right up there with them. So it's like you weren't even sacrificing that much in terms of opportunity, and you saved twelve hundred, which you know allowed you to get to Evan Ingram over Will Disley and David Montgomery over Trey Sermon, which I felt like was more optimal pre lock. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. The last decision point is Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts, but we'll get to that in our next segment here. Interesting stats and storylines. The big story this week, I think, and I mean, God, Cordero Patterson <laughs> is apparently just a goat. Like he he only needs 34.5% of snaps, which is what he's averaged over the first four weeks of the season to find his way into becoming the running back two overall in PPR this season. Three touchdowns yesterday. If you didn't have Cordero, you weren't binking tournaments. Yeah. I mean, he was 4,900 and Mike Davis was 5,100 and I had a couple Mike Davis shares just because I thought his opportunity was more guaranteed. You know, that's on me for playing a stone scrub in Mike Davis and not playing the best uh, fantasy player 
of all time in Cordero Patterson this year. 34.6 DraftKings points on 11 touches. Is there any other player that is as run good as Cordero Patterson is right now? I don't know if I've ever seen a player run this good in in the four years we've been covering DFS. to be honest with you like he's just not on the field that much but every time he's on the field he's getting touchdowns you know he's making big plays i had i had some matt ryan stacks that that could have gotten there if you know i jammed cordero patterson silly me i thought that the targets might go to you know calvin ridley or kyle pitts nope cordero patterson number one skill position player in atlanta (laughs) that's so tilting dude especially with like all of our best ball shares and and yeah I actually checked this morning. I have one share of Cordero Patterson on each site. So, I mean, maybe those teams are good. I, I haven't checked, but. Damn. Yeah, no, it's just it's just a tough scene right now. But I think that this is obviously unsustainable, him playing less than 35% of the snaps. And he has five touchdowns on the year. It's just not going to continue. You know, if you scooped him off waivers, consider yourself fortunate. You know, it's been working out, but. The process obviously was right to not even consider Cordero Patterson. And honestly, I would say the process to consider like starting him, like if you're just looking at like his raw opportunity, like you're not going to start him, but you have to now with his touchdown upside in this Falcons offense. And he's like mm-hmm. the number one option right now. It's it's so dumb. I, I don't even know what to say about this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's like you can't play him. Like you literally can't play him if you have any type of good process. And he's probably just going to drop two more touchdowns right on our yeah. heads next week. So definitely, definitely looking forward. Good to thing that. he's not on the main slate because uh, they're playing in London next week. Oh, nine o'clock, nine nine thirty game game to game to watch while we're grinding our lineups in the morning. That's lit. Guess who I'm playing in the captain? <laughs> <laughs> two weeks in the NFL. And two performances with fewer than 10 fantasy points for Chicago Bears rookie quarterback Justin Fields. I was a bit confused personally when I when I was seeing Twitter just anoint the switch to Bill Lazor from Matt Nagy as like an offensive play caller being some huge improvement. I, I know that the Bears offense looked a lot better than they did last week when they were averaging like a yard per play. But from like a quarterback standpoint, it, it doesn't seem like they're building this offense around Justin Fields at all. They aren't designing runs for him at all. Like if I were a Bears fan or a Justin Fields fantasy owner, which I definitely am in in a lot of spots, I would be highly concerned about him finishing two full starting games with a six for 21 rushing line. Like that is not why we drafted Justin Fields. We wanted him to be involved as a rusher and he just simply hasn't been up to this point. Yeah, it's looking like uh, we're going to be holding the Justin Fields bag in best ball. Unfortunate that he landed in Chicago with one of the worst head coaches in the NFL, Adam Gase-esque in Matt Nagy. And yeah, it just just looks like when he starts, they want to hide him as much as possible. And we saw that yesterday, as I mentioned, the Bears went, you know, super run heavy. And maybe that's just a function of Bill Lazor calling plays because Bill Lazor is a more run heavy play caller and Matt Nagy's a more pass heavy play caller. But still discouraging to see Justin Fields barely run the ball at all, even though we, we know what type of athlete he is. And it just looks like it's not in the playbook. And then we got news today that Matt Nagy said Andy Dolan is still the starter when healthy and he should be back this week or or next week. So the Justin Fields bag is uh, ours for the holding and it looks like it's not going to work out this year and just a just a tough scene. He he was my highest on quarterback. So GG to me. 
Yeah, that that's definitely unfortunate. And, you know, I had a ton of fields as well. So not loving that. I guess we basically just have to wait until uh, Nagy gets fired at the end of this year or, or potentially even sooner. So so I guess we'll be looking at fields as a, a year two bounce back candidate, assuming that they upgraded the coaching spot for 2022. <laughs> yeah. While we're on the subject of rookie quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo suffered an apparent calf injury. I say calf injury in quotes because I, I don't I didn't really see the calf injury, but it, it finally allowed us to get a, a good look at Trey Lance. And it was an up and down performance for him, but you could just feel the energy shifting and the offense opening up with a dynamic player behind center. The stat line was okay. You know, he went nine for 18, only a 50% completion ratio, but managed to put up 157 and two through the air, added seven attempts for 41 on the ground. And, you know, keep in mind that those seven attempts came in one half of play for Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance only came out after the half. So with Jimmy Garoppolo out for a few weeks, Lance is going to be a popular option. He's going to be something that we're discussing a lot in week five, as we have a matchup with the Cardinals looming and an affordable price tag on Trey Lance for Week 5 on DraftKings. Yeah, Trey Lance is definitely going to be interesting from a DFS perspective just because of the rushing floor that he brings in. We saw that with him getting 41 yards. Just don't know how much they're going to pass with Trey Lance starting. You know, he had a 50% completion percentage, 39 QBR. He was all right, but he wasn't great. And, you know, his stats are definitely boosted by that one busted Debo Samuel touchdown that Mm -hmm. the Seahawks just decided not to cover. I think this is a run first team. I think Trey Lance's upside is definitely dictated on game script, but in terms of floor, his floor should be there for fantasy with his perceived rushing upside. So I think he's going to be a fine play, but everybody's going to get so excited to play him. And it was kind of the same thing with Justin Fields, you know, where everybody was excited to play him in his first start and he just busted. And in the range of outcomes with these rookie quarterbacks are just so wide right now that, that I think you could get off of it if he's chalk in tournaments next week. Yeah, we'll talk about that more next week. I mean, it's encouraging that, you know, in half a game of play, Lance has more rushing attempts than Fields has through two full starts. And, you know, it's it's definitely a much better game environment going up against the Cardinals, who are like, you know, the best offense in the Mm -hmm. league right now. So I like the back and forth potential, but we'll talk about that more next week. While we're here on the subject of the 49ers, after a promising week three performance from Brandon Ayuk, it seemed like he was out of the doghouse, like he was going to be that guy once again that we saw as a rookie. He fell back into the shadows with a one catch performance. However, Debo Samuel remains on the fast track to producing a career year. Like you said, 76 yard touchdown play came on, you know, a play where Seattle just decided not to cover him, not to try and tackle him. They're just like, all right, Debo, here, here's a 76 yard tutty for you. Other than that, though, the stat line still looks really good. He he went eight for 156 and two. Debo's averaging 10.5 targets per game. And I mean, he's currently the only bankable option in this passing attack with the struggles of George Kittle and the inefficient usage of Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. I mean, Debo is the clear cut number one option at this point. Unfortunate for George Kittle, you know, he's kind of been a bust throughout the first month of the season. Brandon Ayuk is just a non-factor at this point. Debo Samuel is the guy and he's a great start weekly and he's got to be in tournament consideration every single week and he broke the late slate, right? He, He dropped 38 on DraftKings yesterday and had a phenomenal game and I think we just have to start considering him weekly because I think his floor for targets is there and 
his ceiling is obviously there as well. So Debo Samuel is a great play week in and week out, and I think we just need to consider him more moving forward. All right, so Dak Prescott, <laughs> Joey, you know, he got there yesterday, and I'm I'm just going to say it. He bailed out just a ton of fish on DraftKings who decided to play Prescott over Jalen Hurts. This man had four touchdowns on 22 attempts. Don't let the good fantasy numbers fool you. I am legitimately concerned that Dak Prescott has thrown less than 30 times in every game since week one. And that right there is the reason why Dak Prescott was a severely worse play than Jalen Hurts because it's clearly in his range and the Cowboys range in general to just be a run heavy team. And that's what we've seen in the last three weeks. And every week since week one, when when Prescott threw 58 times, he's been under 30 attempts in, in all three of the last games. So like the, the range of outcomes for Dak is extremely wide right now. And it's just it's just hard because the efficiency can be there. The weapons are good, but we can't bank on a player throwing four touchdowns on 22 attempts. You just can't do it. Yeah, I agree. I still think he he was a good play just from a game environment perspective. And, you know, obviously the Cowboys have one of the best offenses in the NFL with a lot of weapons, like you said. So I think he was a good play, but I definitely wasn't playing him over Hurts in cash games just for the reasons that you mentioned is it's in their range to be a run centric team. And like you said, we've seen that over the last three games, they ran the ball 34 times total for 245 yards in this spot against the Panthers. And we talked about it a couple days before lock and the Panthers had the best rushing defense up to this point in the NFL right only giving up 45 yards per game but it still only is four weeks so you can't bake on them being you know the best run defense after three weeks of football right it's it's just unfortunate because I have a lot of Cooper a lot of lamb god this shit it's low-key tilting me right now as we're as we're talking about it how run heavy the Cowboys are playing right now I, I just I mean, it's working for them. They're winning games. Zeke had 143 yards in a tutty. Tony Pollard had 67 yards. Like, they averaged 7.2 yards as a team, and they just controlled the game, and they got up big and just grinded the clock down, and I think we're going to see that a lot in Cowboys games, and it's just so unfortunate, man. It's so tilting. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like they're not producing good games for their pass catchers. You just have to be banking on Dalton Schultz every week. Yeah, Dalton Schultz is the uh, number one target in that offense i guess now yeah uh, that's on us for not knowing that coming into the season that it was going to be schultz over uh cooper gallup yep. and lamb what were we yep. thinking cd lamb has had one good game unfortunate <laughs> so in that same game we saw sam darnold continue his hot streak and I, can we just talk about it for a sec that sam darnold is averaging more fantasy points <laughs> per week than josh allen Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott. Like, he's just shy of averaging 300 yards per game through the air. And this dude is leading the league in rushing touchdowns. And yeah, you heard that correctly. He's leading the league, not quarterbacks, the league in rushing touchdowns with five through four games, all positions. I had a lot of Sam Darnold in best ball, but I didn't see him being, uh, you know, this year's Kyler Murray in, in the range when I was drafting him. <laughs> right. He's a Konami code uh, quarterback now, apparently apparent um i mean i was just wrong about sam darnold i guess you know i i've i've talked a lot of shit about sam darnold said that he was a bad quarterback you know even with terrible teams and terrible head coaches to start his career and he looks revitalized in carolina and he looks good 
the Panthers are winning games. And Sam Darnold is one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in 2021. That's something I thought I would never say. It's unbelievable (laughs) how how good he is post-Adam Gase. It really is. Uh, Yeah, I mean... It's just what what else what else can we say? He's playing great and he's putting up fantasy points and that's really all we care, all we care about, right? He he had 36 points on DraftKings yesterday was the clear-cut number 1 best quarterback option. He was 6k and shout out to Sam Darnold. Proving me wrong. Shout out to Sammy D and in that offense you know, I know the production hasn't been there, but Robbie Anderson, I think, profiles as a really good buy low candidate. You know, his five for 46 box score yesterday doesn't look like much. You know, that's like 9.6 points in fantasy, but he did see 11 targets in that game, which is more than he had in the first three weeks combined. We know that he is a good player. He's a good NFL wide receiver. He just got a massive extension from the team, like literally like a month ago, right before the season started. I just don't see how with, you know, drastically improved quarterback play and and decent usage that Robbie is not going to bounce back at some point this season. Yeah, I mean, he definitely should bounce back. He had a 28% target share against the Cowboys, 40% of the air yards, you know, 90% routes per pass play. Like his underlying usage was great yesterday and it's been pretty good all season the results just haven't been there and maybe that's just because dj moore has been the one eating and it looks like a breakout dj moore year so robbie anderson is kind of taking a back seat and then see when cmc comes back i don't know how that will impact him but i think we could just see this moving forward is robbie anderson is going to be like a low floor high ceiling option every single week and there's going to be a lot of volatility there especially when cmc comes back yeah, no, that that sounds right to me, for sure. I think he'll have at least one or two GPP winning weeks throughout the course of the mm-hmm. season, but I'm going to need to hit on one of those to make back all the money I've lost on him through <laughs> the first four. So let me, let me ask you this, man. Do you think it's time to sound the alarm for Chris Carson? Because we're seeing something we've never seen out of the Seattle offense where Chris Carson is just sort of getting phased out. Like as for as long as he's been there, he's been the guy and over the past two weeks he's averaging only 44 percent of snaps for seattle he outtouched alex collins yesterday but barely only two more touches than alex collins less targets than alex collins and i mean it's not like we think of collins as like some pass catching back by any stretch but he did out target carson and you know it's just it's just not what we were looking for out of a guy that you were taking at the three four turn in season long and you know playing in the 6k range in dfs it's just it's just not good i don't even know what the hell is going on but yeah carson is bad right now I'm assuming it'll change and maybe he's in the doghouse for some reason or maybe they're just higher on Alex Collins and I'm I honestly I don't think Alex Collins is a is a terrible running back but I think Chris Carson is just, is just supremely better. I don't know. I honestly just don't know what the hell is going on. But what I take away from this and some other situations around the around the league, is there anything worse than drafting a running back in between rounds like 3 and and 6? Is there anything worse? in fantasy football that's what i take away from this just like we expected though you know we that, that's kind of how we played our out in best ball i'm trying to think like are there are there any exceptions like there's really no. not like who was going in that range it was carson josh jacobs who hasn't played at all like this season miles sanders mm-hmm. is busting etn got hurt it's really just like you know swift and Demont. Yeah. swift was going in the I third guess. round though like like right. early third at a point, but his ADP started to fall. But yes, yeah, Swift and, and Demont look to be really the only running backs in that range that have been difference makers. And, and now David Montgomery's hurt. So 
Yeah. And it's like that that's part of it when you're when you're drafting is you know running backs get injured more than any other position in the NFL. So that goes into the running back dead zone and the wide receivers in that range are, are just so much better picks, you know, DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, Mike Williams at the end of like the sixth round, you know, some other some other guys that I'm that I'm forgetting, but got it. That that that's what I get away from this Chris Carson situation is I'm just never drafting a running back again. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's going to probably end up being a pretty profitable strategy uh, in the long run. You know, we can stick in the NFC West at, at the running back position with some more usage notes. You know, there was some concern, I think, after Daryl Henderson did get injured and Sony Michelle got a bunch of work last week and, and we thought maybe Michelle was going to eat into the workload. Well, we can put those concerns to rest. Henderson came back, played 90% of snaps for the Rams offense, had 14 attempts for 89 yards and converted six targets into five receptions. Daryl Henderson's work seems to be completely secure and it doesn't seem like McVay is going to back off the usage despite uh, any potential injury concerns he might have with DeHendo. Yeah, Daryl Henderson when healthy is the workhorse in LA. I think that's, you know, clear-cut evident from the first 4 games of the season. Sony Michelle just isn't good. And that's what I said when they traded for him. Like we just have to remember that he is not a good running back in the NFL period. And he only had three carries for 11 yards. So this is Daryl Henderson's backfield. And if he continues to be underpriced on DraftKings for the main slates, like if he's still sitting around the 55, 5600 range, like I, I think he's just an auto lock moving forward until his price increases like his, his role is just too good in one of the best offenses in the NFL when healthy so Daryl Henderson is is a great running back play moving forward in fantasy I, absolutely last story we've got for today Joey I know that you had a lot uh, emotionally invested in Tom Brady returning <laughs> to Foxborough. The interesting thing that I got from looking over the, the stats on this game is that while Ronald Jones scored a touchdown, it was Leonard Fournette who has seemingly just become the clear-cut lead back, played on 81% of snaps, had 20 attempts, caught three out of four targets for 148 all-purpose yards. He gets Miami's run funnel defense next week. I mean, are we buying into the idea that without Gio Bernard there, Fournette is going to absorb all the pass game roll out of the backfield, which is important in a Tom Brady offense and i don't know the backstory but bruce arians just doesn't fuck with rojo clear cut so so fournette i think is set up to actually maintain this clear cut lead back role yeah i mean the the answer to the fournette or rojo question in fantasy is answered and it's clear cut leonard fournette i don't know why bruce arians hates ronald jones i don't think ronald jones is a bad running back by any means but this is leonard fournette's backfield moving forward and he's going to be the workhorse on the ground and honestly he looks he looks solid like he he looks good out there in my opinion yeah. and like you said he's going to have the receiving role with Gio Bernard hurt for however long he's out for and Leonard Fournette is 5200 against the Dolphins at home so could be uh, Uncle Len week but yeah moving forward Leonard Fournette is the guy and he's he's viable in, in season long every single week with this role. So yeah, our, our question has been answered and Ronald Jones is dead. He He's dead <laughs> to Bruce Arians. He's dead to me and he should be dead to uh, every other fantasy owner on this planet. Well said, man. Well said. I wish I hadn't listened to you so Yeah, so I'm, I'm a fish. I'm a fish for that. Like you actually convinced me. Like at one point I was heavy on the Fournette train and I'm like, you know what, dude, all these points that Joey are making, they're probably right. Let me get on this Rojo role towards the last like, month of best ball drafting i was taking a ton of everything has just gone you know? downhill since he fumbled 
in week one. Just yeah. What are you What are you gonna do? He fumbles and <laughs> gets put in the doghouse for the rest of the year because, like I said, I still think he's a solid running back, and by every metric, he was a better running back than Leonard Fournette last year. And the beat reporters were on it this off season too that you know Rojo was the starter and he started in that week one game and you know downhill ever since. R.I.P. Rojo. R.I.P. It was, it was nice while it lasted. <laughs> All right, man. I think that that is going to be it for episode 167 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey is at Joey Carrion DFS. We'll be back on Thursday with our first look at the week five NFL DFS slate. For more DFS content, check out our YouTube channel, the DFS Dose, where we are closing in on 300 subscribers. It would really mean a lot if you guys could help us achieve that goal. We post multiple videos per week on the channel and live stream on Saturdays. You can also connect with us for free in our Discord channel. The link to join is in the show notes to the podcast. If you're listening out there, just know that we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.